Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America. But this story is still unfolding. I'm Andrea Smartin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. If money affects your life in any way, Money Making Sense will talk about it. Be financially healthy, wealthy, and wise. Here's your host, Heather Kelly. Welcome to Money Making Sense, the show that talks about all things money. Today, I'm on the campus of Utah Valley University in Orem, Utah, for the Presidential Lecture Series. Today's speaker is Emmy-winning reporter for CBS Sunday Morning and author David Pogue. And we're talking technology, the cost of it, and its impact on society. Hello, Mr. David Pope. Well, hello. <laughs> How are you today? I'm well, thank you. Good. Thank you so much for taking time to speak with me. First of all, I have to get this out of the way for my mother. <laughs> my mother and I watch CBS Sunday Morning every week in different cities, and then we call each other. Like, <laughs> what did you think about this? Clearly, you have excellent taste, <laughs> you and your mom. But I love your techno claws every <laughs> Christmas, and I want to know, do you write all of that yourself, or do you have writers? Oh, no, I, I write that all myself. I, I grew up in a family that was really into doggerel, you know, poems that rhyme, and uh, it's just something we always did for birthdays and Christmases and stuff like that, so writing rhyming verse sort of comes natural to me. Another year older, another year gone, and dang, this pandemic is still going on. But here's a distraction that might just succeed. A visit from Technoclaws. Just what you need. I come bearing many a gifting idea for those on your list who love technical gear. I don't know why he's, he talks with a semi-Brooklyn accent. I have no idea why he started. But I've been doing that for 12 years now. And he's always had that accent for no particular reason. And you know, every now and then, viewers will say, why do you have to put on a New York accent? And... I propose dropping it, and then other viewers say, no, no, that's who he is. So anyway, very strange segment. All right, bringing it back to technology, I have been a beneficiary of all of the technology that has been coming about, but I feel like it's a racket, especially <laughs> when it comes to phones. In fact, in this, the nice little ditty that you did for us here at UVU, talking about spending a grand on a phone and even more now. For what is a man? What has he got? If not my phone, then he's got squat. It's all the things a phone should be. Who cares if it's AT&T? I'll get in line and I'll get mine. I'll get in But the companies want you to buy a new phone every two or three years. Why do they make the technology so that it doesn't last? <laughs> well, I think you answered your own question. <laughs> it's so they can sell you a new phone every couple of years. The, the real downside is that they, they have only one lever to get you to upgrade your phone, and that's to add features. This feature, you know, this phone zooms more. This phone sounds better. And the problem with that is that over time, you get featureitis. You get hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of features. They become harder and harder to use. You can't figure out where to find the setting that you want to change, and it becomes 
It becomes discouraging. I mean, in terms of uh, the, the and, and then there's the, the point that you're making, which is the, the upgrade pressure. Um, I guess it's really no different from the car industry, though, in that, you know, that's the way capitalism works. You don't have to upgrade your phone, but they're trying to make it irresistible right. for you to do it. Yeah, well, what was it, about 30 years ago? So the leasing your car came into effect, mm-hmm. which a racket, again, the second it came out, even though I was younger back then, I knew that was a racket. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Why do you pay consistently all the time just so you can upgrade your car every two years? Yeah, and now they have exactly the same things for phones. You can now lease your, your phone, and then you get next year's new version automatically. So while we're on cars... You are the dirge wanting your self-driving car. (laughs) Part of my job with KSL News Radio, I'm a traffic reporter. Oh, wow. Technology makes no sense to me in in regards to the money Mm. that we're all spending. But the self-driving cars, any type of technology does break down. It will break down. To rely on that in our cars, dangerous. It's bad enough with the people who don't know how to drive. Why would you rely on technology that can break down at a whim? Well, I think I see it a little differently. I I think that we are the flawed technology. I mean, (laughs) as I mentioned in my talk, 1.3 million people die in their cars every year with us at the wheel. So clearly we are not a perfect driving system. A lot of people say, why do we need self-driving cars? What's the advantage? And actually the arguments for self-driving are pretty Obvious. The, the big one is safety. 1.3 million people a year die in cars. People say to me, I don't want to share my road with some computer. You know what? I don't want to share my roads with you. People are the worst drivers. The worst. Like, latest government statistics, 100% of car accidents caused by people. On the other hand, when it's important enough, technology can be made bulletproof enough. So look at... Uh, airplanes autopilot they they are self-flying for most of their routes and when it's when lives are at stake they iron out the bugs and they go little by little careful by careful study by study so i mean numerically flying in a plane is hundreds of thousands of times safer than getting in a car i would agree except look at the 737 max Right. Well, that's. I mean, the, that was those mistakes were made because it was autopilot, and the autopilot didn't know what to do in certain situations. Right. Right. So it it doesn't always work, and I was an aviation major, so. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I want to be the person flying the plane that does the barrel rolls. Right. And I would trust myself to do that. I'm not sure I trust the autopilot. Just push a button, go to sleep. Because if you go to sleep behind the wheel and then something doesn't happen, you have even less reaction time because you're groggy. Right. Well, have, have, have you owned a, a semi-self-driving car? No. Okay. I'm, so, I'm one of those I will never get behind. Right. Well, but, but then you can't really judge, right? Like you're, you're judging something that you haven't actually tried yet, you know? So I've, I've had one for, for four years now. And, I mean, it is way safer under its own control than under mine. I mean, there's no question about it. It's, it's detected stop signs that were hidden by bushes. It's, it stopped suddenly for some idiot pulling out of a driveway uh, that I wouldn't have reacted in time. I mean, it's, it's saved my life multiple times. So we had uh, a case here in Utah about six, seven months ago of somebody who 
they did the drunk driving. Oh, mm-hmm. I've been drinking. I'm not going to drive. But, ooh, yippee, I've got a self-driving car. They yeah. put themselves in the back seat. The car did not recognize that there was some dark featured thing. Went through a traffic light and hit somebody. They, were, of course, were arrested for driving while drunk. Mm-hmm. But they're suing because they weren't driving at the time. They put themselves in the back so they wouldn't have to. Well, a, a couple, couple things. First of all, you, you can't actually do that. So whoever told you they were sitting in the back... It's, it's a lie because a Tesla, every 30 seconds, it requires you to prove that you're there. So that can mean twitching the steering wheel. It can mean adjusting the volume of the radio. Um, and if you don't, it assumes you've had a heart attack. It it's puts on its hazard lights, uh-huh. slows to a stop, pulls over, and stops. So, um, yeah, so the, no one could sit in the back of a Tesla. And, okay. And no, that's good to know because yeah. then probably what happened was there was the crash and then the person put themselves in the back seat. That wouldn't surprise me. But, but okay. the, other, the other part of it is that, um, you know, if we – obviously every technology starts out cruddy and gets better. That includes airplanes. That includes the cars we drive. That includes telephones. Uh, invo- it includes clothing, whatever you, whatever you want to name. And nobody is saying that self-driving is here and perfect yet. I mean, it is not. Um, there are videos of Tesla's latest beta software making stupid mistakes all the time. But you always have to get through the cruddy stage to get to the perfect stage. I mean, we were, we were talking about airplanes. And I'm saying even with the 737 MAX examples, even so, the you would have to – I think I calculated – you'd have to fly – consecutively for 40,000 years before you would be in a crash. Even, I mean, we're talking about point oh 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 percent So I think most people feel that planes are safe enough, that they have gotten there. Yeah. And I'm just saying the cars will probably get there too. Okay. Not that there will never be an accident. <laughs> but the question is, will there be more accidents than we have with people driving? And I'm pretty convinced it will be a much lower number. I'll be willing to drive your car. yeah i'll I'll give you a test drive where do you see then technology affecting society even more in the future i mean there aren't a lot of areas that it hasn't affected yet but what are some areas that maybe it's going to become even more of a stronghold i I think i have two answers to that one is the technology itself so artificial intelligence and robotics are finally getting somewhere. And, and self-driving cars is only one example. There's also Amazon's uh, self-flying package delivery drones. Those have just been FAA approved, so that'll be taking off. Um, our software is getting much, much, much better, much, much better. I don't know why I can't say to Siri, book me a flight on Delta this weekend to Chicago in the afternoon. I mean, I, I can't do that yet, but why shouldn't I? So AI will get better and better in that regard with the software too. The other thing that's really weird is that big tech is considered the bad guys now. And uh, I can remember when I was writing my New York Times column for 13 years, everybody was like, ooh, the new iPhone. Ooh, Facebook is it. People loved new tech and big tech. And now everything is met with suspicion and, and doubt and skepticism. And I think it's a good thing. I think it keeps these companies honest stops them from getting away with stuff. I mean, we're putting the brakes on all the time. Is what you're doing fair? Is it is it going to make the inequity problem worse? What about my data? Are you doing the right things with my data? Do I feel secure with the way you're spying on me? And so on. And it's much harder for the tech companies these days, I'll tell you, 
But for society, I think the skepticism is really healthy. Well, I see the issues when you talk about the inequity in the face recognition. Mm. And especially in the beginning, everybody designing for face recognition were white, mostly male. Yep. And they recognized all white men, no problem, most of the white women. But God forbid you'd have somebody of color and they just couldn't do it. Horrifying, horrifying and so unnecessary. I mean, all you needed to do was start with an equitable database of faces in the first place, and you never would have had the problem. But so glad that became a scandal. Yeah. Because now AI is not being designed that way. All right. So the money, since I have a money show, the money involved in all this, where do you feel that that is going to be the downfall because of also the financial inequity in our society? You've got the people that can afford every two years to get the $1,000 phone and the people who can't even buy a $200 phone. And then you've got all of this tech coming out that's costing more and more and more money. It's not getting cheaper. Yeah, I, I would put the inequity problem above the privacy problem, above the bugginess problem. I would say that is huge and key. I, I did a story for CBS Sunday morning on the Internet access inequity in this country. During the pandemic, high-speed internet has been the foundation of work, school, and doctor visits. Which is great if you have high-speed internet, but about half of Americans don't. To get online to do your research or your correspondence, you park at a Taco Bell? I do. I mean, there are school systems that don't have broadband. and. Um, our government has programs that are supposed to help you if you don't have cell service or Wi-Fi. They'll give you 20 bucks a month. That won't get, to, get us there. Yeah. It's really behind the times. The government gives these multi-million dollar contracts to rural Internet companies to build infrastructure, but then they don't follow up. They don't double check to make sure that it happened. Um, it's a huge issue. It's not just the hardware, but it's the services, cell service, cable service, um, and we're, we need to really start thinking ahead. I mean, we really have to, in, in terms of who we elect and what bills we pass in the city, we need to start thinking about that. You're right. If you don't have a phone or a smartphone, none of this magic is available to you. It's got to change. You can catch David Pogue on the CBS Sunday Morning Show or read one of the dozens of books he's written, including The World According to Twitter and Classical Music for Dummies. Thanks for listening. You can email me with any questions or topics you want to hear about at hkelly at ksl.com. That's h-k-e-l-l-y at ksl.com. And because this is Money Making Sense, you can subscribe for free on Spotify, Overcast, Apple Podcasts, anywhere you listen to your favorite podcast, and you'll never miss another episode. Thanks for being a Money Making Sense listener. Follow your common sense on the social media, Money Making Sense, on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. A stranger with a gun came upon two teens taking pictures under a rising full moon. But violence is only the beginning of this story. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. I'm Amy Donaldson, and I've spent my career talking about how lives are undone by violence. The Letter is a podcast about how lives are remade. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts.